you would bow your heads. Is there God to speak to us directly here, dear Lord? And whatever message you have planned, just allow us to hear it and then go out and live it as you live through us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So this is the end of the Thanksgiving. It's a little two-part series here. And uh, um, last week we talked about anxiety and how anxiety and fear can steal our, our, um, our attitude and our life of thanks. So today I'm going to um, talk to, uh, to you about, uh, this is a tough subject, okay? So if you want to, you can go ahead and assume the position, cross your arms and go like this, okay? Um, by the way, Mike had a birthday this week, yesterday, or Friday. Yeah. 94? No. <laughs> but um, I don't know why I was getting ready to say regret, and I thought, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding you. No. So regret, dealing with regret. What Frank Sinatra said, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I don't know about that, but um, regret is something that uh, really can eat at you. And I think sometimes when we blame ourselves or when things go wrong and uh, it's problems where the circumstances linger from past, you know, mistakes and stuff, that's where regret really sits in. And if you allow regret to be a big part of your life, then um, it's going to steal your joy. It's going to steal your, your attitude of thanksgiving. It's going to shade how you look at things. Because of the cynicism and the, you know, the attitude of, of uh, failure and, um, and the whole time you're looking backwards, all right? So I think regret is something that we need to address in our lives. Um, if you've lived longer than 10 minutes, you probably have a regret or two. So it's, it's something that can really take over if you allow it. But um, the Bible tells us how to get through regret, how to push through it and get to a place where we can live a life of thanksgiving. Because that's, that's the ultimate goal here, is to live a life of thanksgiving, where we're thankful for Jesus Christ and all the things that he has done for us, and that becomes evident in, our, in the way that we treat people, the way that we interact with people, the way that we handle difficulties, the way that we handle failures, all that stuff. It's an attitude, it's a life of thanksgiving, and that's where we really need to get to. And then, again, this is all progressive, so once you get there, you know, you're not there forever. you got to make sure that, that you stay there, okay? So this is a, a progressive thing, and um, so what is regret? It's a negative emotion focused on some event that happened in the past that we feel like we could have changed in order to produce a more de, um, happy, more desirable outcome, all right? So it's something that happened in the past, and that attitude, that, that thing still is lingering with us here. And it is a, it's a counterfactual. So usually it's not based on facts, right? Thinking that it requires imagining the way that your life might have gone differently, okay? So this is where we live in the past, and it's a past that didn't exist, doesn't exist. So we think that we're, um, you know, we're, we're wasting our present to think about what we could have done and what could have been, and, you know, that's just not a very productive, it's not a happy place to be, all right? So how do we get through this? Well, unfortunately, when we have regret in our lives, we are focused on the past. It's a negative emotion, 
And then here's the other thing, something that always comes up in these negative behaviors, because you will never find anything in Christianity where it requires us to be selfish. That doesn't happen, okay? It's built on sacrifice, service, sanctification, stewardship. Those are the four pillars of what Christianity are. And nothing in there, you know, you can say, well, I need to be selfish with my time, or, well, I get that, okay? But there's nothing in there to where you have and will live a daily attitude of selfishness. It's just not, just not going to happen. That's not Christianity. So when you see these negative attitudes and these negative things that are in your life, and it's dealing with self, and it's all self-inclusive, thinking about self, that's not a productive emotion. That's not a productive trait to have in your life, okay? It will really do it. And then this is a, um, upward comparisons, okay? So this is where we end up um, judging ourselves against other people. And let me just say this, okay? Your life, your struggles are personalized. Now, the, the struggle is, is, you know, the Bible says that what you're going through isn't unique to just you. It's everybody's going through stuff, okay? And we all, in fact, we're all called to struggle. When you become a Christian, you're called to struggle. And it says you'll be persecuted, lied about, put through stuff. You know, life's just not going to be great and fair, but, it, but you'll get to a great life, not by the world standards, but by heavenly standards and by Christian standards, all right? So um, what we end up doing a lot of times is when we start to beat up on ourselves, then usually that's not enough. We need to pile on some more luggage or whatever it is. And we say, well, you know, here's somebody else. And, you know, they look like they got the world, you know, on a string. And I don't. If I'd have made decisions like them, look where I could have been. And this is where we get into that constantly talking about self, constantly thinking about the past. And this is also another thing where we are constantly dwelling on failures. I had a coach one time say, we don't lose. You either win or you learn. And that's a pretty powerful statement, okay? Because we got beat a lot that year <laughs> by some big margins, all right? So anytime you are self-consumed, it will also lead you to compare. So in, in you're in a different chapter than everybody else, and you're in a different novel or a different book, okay? Yours is different than everybody else's. And you could have, like, the same type of stuff it looks like. You both check all the same boxes, but different things are going on there. All right, and at the, at the end, it becomes where we just blame ourselves. And then this can lead to self-hatred, all right? And I think that's more prevalent than we let on. In the Facebook generation era here that we're living in, you know, you don't post on there. I, I'll just be honest with you, I hate myself. We don't post that. We post the, all the happy smiles and all that stuff, okay? So... Listen, if you, dwell, if you let regret live too long, you're going to get into a very negative place to where it ends up being you self-blame yourself for everything that's wrong in your life, and then you're going to end up with some hatred towards yourself. Okay? Financial decisions get you there. Family. You know, you have some regrets about family. Um, your health, past mistakes, habits, lifestyle, choices, and all that stuff. Friends, you know, relationships go bad, and uh, you have regrets about that. Spiritual, you know, you have, you've hurt somebody or somebody's hurt you, and it's caused you to, to struggle and this and that, and community. All right, what's the impact of it? It causes chronic stress 
and anxiety. We talked about that last week, how detrimental those are, not only to your physical life, but also to your spiritual health. All right, how that can lead up to fear coming in, and now your faith is, you know, wobbling, and it might be circling the drain. It can cause, actually cause health issues. Then when we get to the self-blame and the self-hatred, poor self-esteem, and it steals your, all, all your joy and you feel helpless. And then this is almost the worst place to be when you feel hopeless because Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, right? Amen? And if you feel hopeless, I mean, we're Christians. We're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So even in the worst of times, we should be people of hope, people of grace, people of faith. And if you let regret stay in there too long, it will steal all this from you. And it's not out of the, you know, out of the realm of things to end up feeling hopelessness. All right? And then if you uh, um, have any kind of OCD or PTSD or, or you're someone who deals with depression, you can actually get what's called a guilt complex. Right? And there's several of them. Okay? Where you're, natu- you're guilty. You feel guilty about mistakes you did make. Okay? And then um, you feel guilty about mistakes that happen and you had no control over it, but yet you've convinced yourself that you, you were a part of that problem and, and you feel guilty about it. And then you have uh, guilty thoughts, the things that we hide. We don't want anybody in our heads to see what we're really thinking, okay? And we feel guilty about those. And then there's also uh, like people who, actually, anytime you kind of succeed or have a good spell in your life, you actually feel guilty about that. And then there's some of us who, if we go through a period where we don't feel guilty about anything, then we feel guilty about not feeling guilty, right? Okay. So all that, that's regret. That's what we're talking about, all right? If you're honest with yourself, everybody's dealing with this. Everybody's got some kind of regret because we have, we're humans, we make mistakes, we hurt people, and then we are not always the best at handling this stuff. But the Bible gives us, an, uh, it gives us a survivor sheet on how to get this, through this and to get to a place to where you're moving in a productive sanctification process, all right? So, dealing with regret, Philippians 3, 12th chapter. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Okay, so let's just break this First apart here, what's it telling us? First of all, we have to have a realistic mindset. We have to have realistic expectations. Nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody fails. And the big thing to know here is that if you set yourself up at a level to where you can't attain what you're supposed to, then you're going to deal with some serious failure in your life, okay? So this is where we talked about earlier, where we start comparing ourselves to somebody. And if we're not moving in the same place that they're moving, or, you know, and we already talked about that, it's not apples to apples, okay? Every, every person is different. So what we end up doing is comparing ourselves to things. And then we start saying, you know, like, I need to live like this perfect life. I need to get to a place to where, you know, it's the storybook life. And that's just not gonna happen, all right? So the one thing that we have to understand is that all of us are broken people in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ, all right? And we have to start there. And this is, this is Paul speaking, 
And Paul is even saying that I'm not where I need to be. I still have a lot of work to go. And if Paul has a lot of work to go, then I know Aaron does. And so it's, it's healthy to realize that this is a journey. And life is a journey, and you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have successes and failures. And you can't allow the downs and the failures to consume you or to break you or to get you off track. You have to stay on track. And that starts with a healthy perspective and healthy expectations, okay? That life is not going to be perfect and things are going to happen. It's the, one of my favorite quotes from Rocky. It's not how many, you know, how many punches you can take, how many times you can get hit, but how many times you can get hit, fall down, and get back up. It's about getting back up, getting back on track. That's what's healthy. And it says that I press on. So in the worst of times, in the best of times, in the brightest of times, and in the darkest times, guess what we are required to do? Wake up every day, pick up the cross in front of us, and keep pressing on for the things that Jesus Christ is asking us to do. And that takes a lot of faith. That takes a lot of hope. We can't do it on our own. So guess what we got to do every morning when we wake up? Pray the prayer of emptying Get rid of me. The Holy Spirit is already in there. Let him fill me and let me pick up this cross and go and move in a way that Jesus Christ is asking me to do. But here's the thing. There is no quit in Christianity. There's no quit in it. Okay? Keep pressing on. And we are to, we are to, to um, symbolize the life of Jesus Christ. He never let anything get between him and the cross. Nothing got him deterred from his mission. And we have to be the same kind of people. When we get knocked down, guess what we got to do? Get back up. Get on track and keep moving forward with the Holy Spirit fueling us. And it says that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. As we talk about, you know, symbolizing the life of Jesus Christ, mirroring it. Guess what? He got tempted. He got beaten. He got lied about. He went through hardships, and he kept moving forward. So guess what's going to be laid in front of us in our lives? You're promised to have difficulties. You're promised to have trials. We're going to fail. I, I, this gets more uplifting as we go, okay? Trust me. All right. But, I mean, it's just, it's just a natural thing. You know, we're, we're going to fail. We're broken people. And I think... I think what we do is we have a very high bar for ourselves and an even higher bar for everybody else around us, right? And we, uh, we know we can't, we can't live up to our own bar, but yet we got a higher bar that we want everybody else around us to live up to. And then in comes these destructive, the anxiety, the fears, the regret. And it's no wonder that we're not living a life of thanksgiving here in this world because we're piling it on. And not only are we piling it on us, but other people are piling it on us too. And we're guilty of piling it on other people as we're piling it on ourselves. So it's important, it's very important to understand that everybody's going to fail. And in fact, here's the other thing. If, if, we don't, if we never failed, then Jesus Christ doesn't get to be the Savior of the world. All right? So keep pressing forward 
and just grab hold of the things that Jesus Christ is putting in your life. And let, let me just say this, okay? If you don't have some type of service or ministry that is existent in your life right now, maybe you're going through a dry spell, just maybe you haven't really taken that step to say, hey, this is what I'm called to do. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that everyone is called to the ministry. In some type of way, if you're a Christian, you're called to the ministry. In some type of way. And some of us are more public with it in a public role. But, you know, these lights, it's a big deal when they have to be changed, especially the ones out in the Family Life Center. But someone has to do that stuff. And someone has to take up the offering. Somebody has, I mean, there's just all types of stuff. People get here early, extremely early on Wednesdays to make sure that that gets pulled off. People get here extremely early on Sundays to make sure that this gets pulled off. People do things like Gretchen was talking about. That's all ministry work. And let me say, if you don't have something like that prevalent in your life, then you're not living up to the calling. You're not pressing forward. You haven't grabbed hold of what Jesus Christ has placed in your life. And then let me say this too, okay, to finish this thought. If you haven't grabbed hold of what Jesus has placed in your life, then you're missing out on your life. You're not living your, you're living your life. And your life is not good. It's going to be filled, guess what, with anxiety, fear, regret, and it's destructive, and you're not going to be happy, and there's no way you can get to this place of happiness or whatever we call happiness. If you do the things that Christ is asking you to do in the way that, he, that he's asking you to do it, yeah, you're going to fail, you're going to get knocked down, you're going to struggle, but, at, but you can get to a place where you can live a life of joy and thanksgiving, giving him all the glory and all the thanks, and in that life comes peace and happiness, because that is what Jesus Christ is all about. Love, come unto me, all you who are weary and labored, and what will he do? Give you rest. Man, anybody need some rest here? I mean like some pure sleep. Huh? Man, I do. (laughs) So Philippians, we'll move on to the next two verses. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, To those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All right, so let's talk about this for a second. Okay, so here's the other thing. He says it again, brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it. All right, so why is he saying that again? It's important to understand that. There's a reason, remember, the Bible was written on purpose. Every word in there is on purpose. So why would he say this twice? It's to reiterate that we're going to have to get through failure in a productive way and not allow all these habits and emotions and stuff pull us off. So this is what he's saying again. You know, I'm not even perfect. I'm still a work in progress. So we're a work in progress, all right? And everybody around you is a work in progress. And we need to work together to make sure that we're all moving in the same direction. So if somebody's scraggling behind, you got to help them get, you can't be like the, the, National Geographic, where the lion's on the chase and the one wildebeest who's got the limp, you know, and that they've made you fall in love with for the last 30 minutes, and then he gets picked off by the lion. We're not leaving anybody behind, okay? If we do it right, we resemble heaven. And you know what heaven is? One big happy family. Church is meant to be a family. You know how I know that? Because... The family was created first, and guess what was created second? The church. And guess what the model is for the church? The family. 
All right? So if we do this right, we look and act like family. In families, in a, in a good family, a loving family, where we build each other up and make sure nobody's scraggling. So he makes this point again, all right? And the point is that we're all supposed to be working and pushing forward. We have inner sanctification. And we know it's a progressive progress, all right? And it says, I am forgetting these things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So this, what's this saying? It's a lot of words there to make a real clear point. Guess where we're supposed to be looking? Forwards. Guess what's backwards? Failures. Mistakes. And if you get looking backwards, guess where you get to? Anxiety. Fear. Regret. There's, that's already happened. Yeah, we can, we can have our experience. We can have, you know, the things that we've learned. But we can't live in the past. We can't recreate the present by living in the past. It's impossible. Guess how we create the present? By living in the present. And let me just say this, is, uh, and, and I'm trying to work on this myself, okay? Put the phone down, have dinner with your family, talk, be in the present. I was saying last night, nothing makes me matter and when I text my kids, and it takes them two hours to get back with me because I know their face is in the phone because it never leaves. And I told Ariane, I was like, turn, their phone, turn the, the service off to their phone. I wanted them to say, what happened? Yeah. Ghost me now, whatever the word is. Sorry. That was a little self-therapy self there. What's this? I don't even know what the sermon's about now. What is it? <laughs> That's living in the past. That was last night. I'll never forget one time. I'm going to get down a rabbit hole here. I'm sorry. But, um, when our kids were smaller, they had the DVD players on the back of the headsets. And boy, when they get in first, I mean, you're trying to buckle them in. They're putting their headset on. Like, bro, let me get the, the seatbelt on you before you get your headset on. And uh, so they crawled in the car, and they had done something. I can't remember what. And, and I was giving them the what for. I, I was preaching. I mean, I went from the top of the mountain down to the valley and back up to the top of the mountain. And um, just was preaching and preaching. And Arianne just kind of tapped me and said, they got their headsets on. They haven't heard a word you're saying. <laughs> so I was like, well, it's not the first time I've preached a sermon and nobody listened. <laughs> but keep moving forward. Keep moving forward can't live in the past. There's nothing to do back there. It's impossible. And what is the prize? What's the prize he's talking about here? Now, this is, this is verse specific because this can get a little bit, because he's making a very significant point in this verse. Okay, this might be, you can't say it's more important, but man, this one is a, this one is a, is a home run right here. Okay, so read it for what it says. Because a lot of times when you read this, you think, anytime they talk about prize God and Jesus Christ, what do we think about? Heaven. Heaven is the prize. Are you sure? Heaven is a prize, okay? But what's the prize in this verse? We're pressing forward the goal for the prize of what? The calling. That's the prize in this verse. 
You understand what he's saying? You've been given, you've been given a calling. I don't know if everybody's accepted it or not. But guess how it's referred to in the Bible? As a great prize. You know why? Not only because people will be changed as Christ lives through you, but guess what happens when you accept the calling and you live this outright, the way that this says? Guess what's not controlling your life? Anxiety. Guess what else doesn't creep in? Fear, so your faith isn't destroyed. And then guess what you're not dealing with all the time? Regret. Guess where you get to? A place of thanksgiving, peace, harmony. Doesn't that sound like a deal? But you have to read the verse for what it says and then understand the point that he's making. Yeah, heaven is a prize, but in this context, we've been called. We've been called to serve. We've been called to love people. We've been called to do whatever it is that Christ is calling you to do. I'm encouraging you as your pastor and someone who loves you. Find your prize and claim it and live the life that Jesus Christ wants you to live. I saw a, a, an interview one time and it was talking about what, your most, what would be your most treasured piece of furniture in your house. And they were talking about different things. Mine would be this, this table in our, it's not the big dining room, but in, like the kitchen table. And it's gotten, it's black. You ever tried to buy a, a black dining, dining set? There was like two ever made. But this thing's been beat up. We've had it for years and the, where you put your feet on the stools are starting to wear. And, and there's my watch, because it's a shake a little bit. It's cutting into the wood over here. And, and you know, there's fork marks where people have played the drums. And I mean, it's just beat up, beat up. But you know what? That's where we've had our talks and our dinners. That's where, you know, just the other night, me and Tori, talk for, uh, I was going to get up and go to the gym the next morning and I ended up saying I'm not, this talk is more important to me than getting up and going to the gym, so I stayed up way too late, but I mean, and you got stuff like that too in your house, and I think if, if we could get to a spirit of thanksgiving, it changes life, and be honest with yourself. When you truly feel thankful for something, man, that's a good spirit, isn't it? Huh? And I think that we have to be forgiving people. We have to be loving people. And we can't do the things that the world does. We can't mimic the world and think we're going to get to a place of thanksgiving. Right? We, we, have, to, we have to do it where we can get to a place of Thanksgiving. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. 
Once again, that's StarGBChurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois, zip code 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we'll see you next time here at Star Church. Thank you.